Jaguar, everyone. Jaguar, everybody. Jaguar. Welcome to the next minute of our podcast about um, the, the movie Awake the Life of Yogananda. We're going through it minute by minute. We have now reached minute number 68. And today we got quite an ensemble. Um, so we don't have Chris today. And, but we have a representative for Brazil. We have Carolina here. Hello, Carolina. How are you doing? Hello, everybody. Good to be here again with you all. Thank you for inviting me. Carolina's Amazing. got the record now of the most number of guest entries. She may as well be a regular now. Yes. <laughs> and then well, we also have Michael as a guest here today. Um, hi, everyone. Yeah. Hi. How are you, Michael? You are in Amsterdam and you fittingly have a bicycle in the background, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Nice. So, so you met um, you met Priya and get the London Center at a young adults meeting. Um, usually, when we have guests on, we ask them. We have like our standard question is always, "How did you hear about Yogananda for the first time?" And yeah, how how did you get on the path? Yes. So um, actually, um, how I met Yogananda was uh, I. I I mean, after COVID, it was uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago. After COVID, there was a lot of questions in my life where I wanted to go. Spiritually, I was not in tune yet with anything. Like I was Catholic, but again, there was nothing much. I was a, a policeman. And uh, I couldn't get anywhere with my spirituality. I did not understand it, did not connect with it. And then I started just praying, actually. I was praying mostly on just finding the way, you know, with the standard praying Catholics that I had. And then I was just trying to find anything. I was just doing that every day. And then um, uh, little by little, I got more into yoga. I started to be a little bit more into Ramdas and uh, Nim Karoli Baba. And then after that, I joined the satsang. Uh, which was just actually a group of people in Montreal that were um, meditating together between heart meditation. And then I met this, this person, I think I'm going to send him this video. So his name is Alain. And um, he just had something very special about him that I couldn't put my finger on. And uh, we just started talking more about spirituality. And he had this really deep, profound understanding that was logical and, uh, and very new to me. So I kind of dwelled in it more. And then we started talking about Kriya and we started meditating together. And that's how I got into the path. And after that, I was just got into the lessons. Haven't stopped since. I'm on lesson 17, very excited for the initiation. And uh, yeah, uh, that's how I got on the path. You got, have you, do you, when is your initiation? I don't know yet because uh, my life has been quite transient lately just because of my work. So uh, like I'm in, I was in London and then I was in this. So I, I haven't gotten the time, even though I'm not supposed to like, I'm supposed to always find time, but I just haven't <laughs> had the time <laughs> to really finish the lessons properly, just to have like a quiet place. You know, it's very difficult when you're moving hotel to hotel, really. Yeah. I am. Um, when I did my initiation, I was worried about this as well. I said to, um, I was I was only, I wasn't practicing the techniques for mm -hmm. that, that for too long. It was only about six months, and it wasn't. I was it was quite intermittent, 
and uh, before the Kriya, you have an interview with the monk. And then I was a bit worried, so I just told okay. him as it is. And then he said, um, I, well, he, he said, from your from what I've heard, you're very sincere. So I think he said Kriya will, you know, you're ready for Kriya. Uh, you just have to work on being wow. regular, being regular with your practice. Um, mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so, yeah, that was pretty cool. But we have a Kriya cool. initiation ceremony next year in the London Center. Wow. So, awesome. So, uh, so the monks will be visiting. For that. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> And how did you um, mm -hmm. how did you find the awake film? So the awake film, I mean, I was reading the book already uh, before I watched it, so I kind of knew what was coming up. Uh, you mean the autobiography? I, yeah, the, the autobiography. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So the movie was kind of you know I liked the fact that there was visuals and uh, some audio, so it was really great to see it in in real life. Some stories again, like you know, as the book, very profound. And uh, yeah, I was I really liked that movie. Yeah, nice. Nice. I um, uh, so that you mentioned earlier, Ramdas and Neem Karoli Baba. The, yep. Those are names that, that keep coming up, right? Like Neem Karoli Baba was also he's also Krishna Das's guru, for example. Yep. Yep. And Das. Yeah. I think he was also the reason why Steve Jobs went to India. Yes. Um, to Indeed. seek out Neem Karoli Baba, and then he figured out he had already passed on. Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. so yeah interesting. Uh, yeah always about seeking I, it was just about like like you know my life prior to covid i find that perhaps i was living a lot of lies and i was letting it flow and then after that I was just like what's going on you know trying to find the truth seeking the truth living in truth as well and then uh once i saw you know master's work and his writings never looked back you know and uh, here we are. And that is a that is a pertinent point for the subject matter of this minute. Master's mm -hmm. writing, isn't that right, Mike? Indeed, that is correct. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk a bit about uh, the minute, minute sixty-eight. So what we have is we have um, uh, people talking about Guruji and the amount the amount of writing that he that he left for us and so you you first have um uh phil goldberg talking a bit about it then even ravi shankar and then um you he talks about uh, you, you have uh, Dayamata and Mrinalini mata who were both involved in the writings and they talk more about the how it actually happened the how they were sitting at their typewriters how there was a routine of every day um, because there was a lot of books that had to be written in Guruji's life, um, especially after he came back from India. So after he, he came back from India, he had like 10, 10 to 12 years or something where the, the most, the bigger part of all the literature that he released was basically written. <clears throat> so if you think about it, it's, it's an, it's an, an insane, um, uh, task that he was taking on there you can you can calculate how many pages he was writing per day so <laughs> it is a lot um yeah well, young young carolina has been uh, taking inspiration from guruji as well recently haven't you carolina Re writing poetry after the convocation she, she written a poem called divine friendship which um 
which has been posted around all the groups and the London Centre Young Adults, Carolina, you won't know this, they absolutely loved that poem. They're like, who is this divine writer? Ah, <laughs> uh, lovely. Actually, I, since I was young, I used to, I used to like writing on diaries, but I used to be very, like some years I would do it, some years I wouldn't. And then it had been a long time since I wrote things, but since I started following this path like a couple of years ago. I just started writing again, like all the time. I even have my, I keep like a record of my meditations and any experience that I have on the path, I just keep writing. I already have like a couple of <laughs> writings actually, but like poems were never my, my thing. That was really the first one. But I don't know, I think convocation is really inspires, is inspiring, especially like the last day and the day after. It's just really like it builds up this energy and then you gotta release it. <laughs> we we like to keep a bit of mystery around when we actually record our episodes, especially for young us. <laughs> but of course we are like here. We're no 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 I always break this mystery as well. So um uh, uh so we are actually the week after convocation here. And so actually I I can also Ask the question to Michael. Um, did you follow convocation at all? Was that your first one? What did you think about it? So this was actually my third convocation. Okay. Uh, first one was uh, when when I met the uh, Alain. Uh, third one. This has been to me, I would say, the least amount that I followed it. I, I watched some lectures, but just again, just my life has just been a lot of movements, unfortunately. So. Yeah, uh, I just watch them later after that, like how I usually do it if I miss the lectures. I watch them when my time opens up a bit and then, yeah. But uh, convocation is usually where I get the best meditations in and, you know, I'm able to attune with the larger uh, soul family that we're part of. But yeah, this time I just was too crazy for me, um, at least. Yeah, I, I've heard stories like that from other people. I mean, I was able to follow convocation myself, but I, I was up in Northern California for the week and I really was trying to postpone that or cancel that, but I couldn't. And, um, but still, I, I think I, it's always special convocation because you have like so many, so the vibration is just, even if it's online, I feel like the vibration changes for the one week and for sure. it becomes it becomes easier to be devotional. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, let's go back to a minute. So the first thing that we have to talk about is the, the book, The Autobiography of a Yogi, which is, um, it came out in 1946. It was... Um, back then received too much fanfare, but I don't think people at the time knew how big of a book this would be. So if you go into like the, the an app that I use often that's called Goodreads, where you can basically look at your books and just mark the ones that you read and share them with your friends. And um, of the books released in 1946, it is the most um, used book on Goodreads. Um, so that, that kind of shows that how over over the years this this book has gained popularity and there's a there's a lot of um there's there's a lot of uh reviews that were written over the years by people i'm, I'm gonna read one um right now by 
um, a guy from a person from the uh, American Institute of Vedic Studies. And he says that Yogananda can be said to be the father of yoga in the West, not the mere physical yoga that has become popular, but the spiritual yoga, the science of self-realization that is the real meaning of yoga. And I think that's kind of, and that, uh, if you go on the yogananda.org website, there's a whole section about the autobiography of a yogi. And you see so many of those kind of reviews of seeing what an impact that book had. Yeah, Priyank? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, I found it, I, this is gonna be a theme for this, uh, this minute. I think the titles of the books is uh, quite telling of Guruji's um, state of consciousness. So for example, this, is, this book is called The Autobiography of a Yogi, not Autobiography of Mukundalal Ghosh or Autobiography mm -hmm. of Paramahansa Yogananda or Autobiography of Yogananda. It says an autobiography of a yogi, which would imply that he's kind of dedicating this book, not for himself as this personality that we know as our guru, but to this whole lineage, this vast lineage of yogis and mystical people and self-realized masters and avatars and you know of christ and and krishna who he talks uh, obviously a lot about so i thought that uh, that is telling a lot um and i found it a bit um funny that phil goldberg and he in this book he in his in this minute he, he referred to it as the, like an indian holy man like you know an autobiography of, of it was got loads of you know the book is about holy holy men he, he kind of uh, said is a general gen, genuine you know it's the first memoir of holy men and I was thinking about that and you know the, the connotation of the word holy men especially in I don't know you, a couple of you probably have been to India I know um, and you see the holy men on every single street corner and you would you would probably question how holy they are because you know <laughs> they're, they're they're into various uh, various things and um uh, but this Ryogananda in this autobiography is not really talking about the everyday people that on that you meet on every single street corner he's talking about a much the actual yogi you know the actual an actual realized uh, master which i think yeah. is a, obviously a quite a big difference to that absolutely he does say genuine holy man phil goldberg mm. which i feel like this is maybe as good as he can say it in western words right mm. without calling him a swami or a sadhu or something like that right mm. it's it's um it's pretty um interesting that um they they kind of talk about this um this book and then they um I don't know he he's trying to put the like it's like it's like you said just now right the title the autobiography of a yogi i feel like autobiographies are like something that is more like being done in the west a lot i'm not sure if that's true and it's and and the yogi part is more like the eastern part so he was maybe trying to merge two concepts into one and really introduce to the world what a yogi really is and how to um uh like because i feel like um there were a lot of misconceptions about what indian sadhus are what indian yogis are and i don't think there was that 
there was really an understanding in the West. And if you really wanted to know a scientific version of what a, what a Hindu yogi is, then the autobiography is a great introduction to that, I would say. Yeah, there were there were so many so many other reviews about it. I'm I'm gonna read another one that I liked, um, which is uh, by a journal. It's a metaphysical journal called New Frontier from 1986, and it says Paramahansa Yogananda, like Gandhi, brought spirituality into the mainstream of society. It is reasonable to say that Yogananda did more to put the word yoga into our vocabulary than any other person. Uh, that's 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 how meaningful this this book is, even after such a long time. Yeah, Priyank. It almost warrants a separate podcast just on <laughs> the autobiography of a yogi, doesn't it? A hint, hint oh, yeah. for, for the future, perhaps. <laughs> yes, I I'm for it. I I mean, the, definitely the movie Awake that we are talking about is definitely based on the autobiography of a yogi, right? Even though it focuses on some sections and doesn't talk so much, the, the, the autobiography of a yogi definitely has more content than you can put in a movie. I would say it would be more like a, a tr trilogy, Lord of the Rings style kind of, mm -hmm. if you did the whole movie. Mm -hmm. But it's, um, it's, it's definitely um, related to the two. And I think it would go well in a podcast. Yeah, there's there's uh, one more thing. There's there was one. Uh, it was like an author's note at, in the 1951 edition, um, which is the second edition. Like 1946 was the first edition that came out, and Guruji was involved in the second and the third edition still, where they corrected spelling errors and and things like that. And he says, "I've been intensely moved." Um, to receive letters from thousands of readers. Their comments and the fact that the book has been translated into many languages encourages me to believe that the West has found in these pages an, affirmation, an, an affirmative answer to the question, has the ancient science of yoga any worthwhile place in the life of the modern man? Yeah, Priyank? Yeah, I was just wondering, you mentioned the, um, the first edition obviously and we're on the I don't know which edition we're on probably like fifth or sixth I don't know mm -hmm. um but, but a lot of people insist on reading the first edition even though it's got like spelling you know errors and stuff like that that are still in the released copy and um I was just wondering what you guys think of that um I know I, I personally just read the latest edition but for example the samadhi poem there's a few words that are slightly different I think probably um, the lines are slightly in a different order there's things like that so we can't we're not privy to why they changed a lot of the, some of some of the things I see yeah that's a yeah Michael yeah Michael yeah 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 I see that's a very good insight and you know uh, so many different uh, religions struggle with that as well. It's like, you know, there, there's so many versions of, you know, the Bible and whatnot. And uh, I, I do see the, the, um, the beauty in reading the first original versions, but I, I find that, you know, because from my understanding of, um, 
of the lineage that's in charge of uh, SRF. It's uh, these are all lineages that Babaji has chosen. So that's where I put my confidence in. So that's how I see it in that way. That's a good, good, good way of seeing it, <laughs> which brings us on to the, the next point, because uh, the script kind of talks about like, um, it's, it, you know, the, the book was about feelings, or Ravi Shankar says the book was about the feelings of his devotion to his gurus and what he really received from them. So like, um, in terms of the other gurus or param gurus, or even perhaps the other people that are mentioned in the autobiography of Yogi, like uh, uh, Master Mahashai, for example, direct disciples of um, Lahiri Mahashai, um, and um, other, other people in the, in the book, Swami Kebalananda. Um, I was wondering what people think about how, how, we, uh, how we should treat these other personalities, especially let's, let's, let's keep it specific to our line of gurus. So um, I think someone once told me that um, like your connection doesn't need to be, your principal connection to the lineage doesn't need to be through Paramahansa Yogananda. It can be through any of the, um, you know, any of the six masters that are, that are on our altar, um, which one you resonate um, through most. Uh, and Guruji is like, um, I think he's even said like um, your, you know, your love and uh, devotion, all, all I'm doing is taking it and offering it straight to, to, to God, God and, and Divine Mother. So I was wondering, yeah, Mike, what do, what do you personally think about that? Because yesterday I was, I was leading yeah. the service. Um, I was leading the service yesterday at the center. And, um, and I was like, Guruji, you know, read through me or chant through me. And, and I looked at Guruji, but I thought, oh, there's, there's all these other masters here. Why aren't I referring to the, <laughs> why are I also referring Let's to see. those? Let's see. Uh, I mean, on a more personal level, uh, I think there was uh, a, a saying in the in the autobiography which went like, uh, uh, ba Babaji is the incarnation of Kriya Yoga. Lahir Mahasha is the incarnation of joy. Uh, uh, la, um, and then uh, Swami Sri. Yeah. Because Lahiri Mahasha is the incarnation of yoga. Um, yeah, okay. Of, uh, um, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Sri Yukteswar is the incarnation yeah. of wisdom. Yeah. And mm -hmm. Yogananda is the incarnation of, is it devotion? Love, 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 love. devotion. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, Prem, Prem Avtar, yeah, we call him. Yeah. Prem Avtar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, thank you for correcting me. And uh, yeah, so if in my life I need more joy or I need more love or, uh, I I go through those channels. That's how ah, I see it. Yeah. Good good way of doing it. So more well, mostly, if you need, yeah. Uh -huh. if you need more wisdom. Go to uh, through exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if I was if I was leading this, if you were leaving, leading the service, Michael, which one would you go through? Uh, wisdom. I don't have enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, wisdom uh, depends. Yeah, but most likely wisdom. I just need more of that ideally Mike I think it's, it's not easy I, like, yeah I think it's also a journey it doesn't it's not always the answer is not always the same depending on when you ask it I do really like that we over the year celebrate all the 
the Buddhas and the Mahasamadhis of all the gurus or of most of them. Like there's no Babaji Mahasamadhi or or like the, but the, the in, in general we celebrate all of them. And then you can tune in to them. And I feel like I get a response from all of them. And feeling closer to them is um I think that's our personal effort that we have to put in. I feel like I put the most effort into feeling close to Guruji and he's definitely for me the one that I um like when I when I look at the spiritual eye, I feel his presence. And that's because it I I have been focusing on that for many years. Um but um like through reading and rereading the autobiography, for example, I've felt much more personable and close to um, Sri Yukteswar and also Lahiri Mahashai. But I, I just love that guru-disciple relationship between Sri Yukteswar and Yogananda. That kind of, oftentimes when I when I read those, I kind of feel myself, how would I fare in the role of Yogananda in Sri Yukteswar's ashram? And I don't want to answer that, but I, I, I really like that kind of um, dynamic that they have going on. And then the Lahiri Mahashai Babaji dynamic is also really nice. So I, I feel like over over the years they become they become it just becomes easier to feel them as close friends. And um, for for Krishna and for Christ, it is more like um, like we had John Mashtami recently, and then you just um, uh, open your heart to Krishna. And for Christ, I. Grew up in Europe, and I visited many of the holy, the holy sites that are out there, like Assisi, for example, or there's many others. And that's when I when I feel Christ strongly. So I I, I don't think there's there's like one answer, and and definitely every every person has their own answer. And for me, if you ask me five years ago and now, I would probably also give different answers. But if I would, the, definitely the strongest connection I have to Guruji. Yeah. Carolina, what do you think about that? Well, um, when I started on the path, I mean, Jesus was already a, a, a little part of my life. I also grew up in a Catholic um, culture and all of that. Even though like when I was younger, when I was a kid, I was really into it. But then as a teenager and young adult, I wasn't really connecting. But a couple of years before really diving into the path, I started to regain my connection with the Christ. And then when I remember it was pretty easy to connect with Sri Yukteswar and then Lahiri Mahashai, I'm looking at the altar <laughs> to, to remind me of them. But I remember like Babaji and Krishna were the, the last ones that I actually made myself comfortable with, let's say. I think, I don't know why. I think Babaji, I remember, I used to have an impression that he would, be more like I don't know it's just a an ego thing uh something in my mind but I always thought of him uh, of like being more disciplinary than the others onto me <laughs> so I was like oh Babaji oh Babaji you gotta, you gotta behave <laughs> <laughs> and then and with Krishna I don't know I was always a Shiva person so it was it, it took me a while to really connect to Krishna because I really never it was never a part of my of my 
you know, spiritual path prior to the to the official one <laughs> before when I was just going everywhere. It used to be a lot of Shiva Shiva all over the place. They they even used to call me like she I, I used to have a name like Shiva Moon, like all of my friends used to call me that. So it took me a while, but through exactly through these commemorations with SRF, it really builds up a relationship. Every year it gets uh, stronger and I feel closer to them. So Krishna, for example, it's not what really helps me is really visualizing them as a person with me, even doing like activities with me, or like doing gardening with me or just, you know, talking to me, really visualizing them as a person speaking to me. Sometimes I even feel the, the skin in my imagination. And I don't know, that just brings me closer and closer to them and, and they feel more and more real, even though they are not materialized <laughs> never know eh? with your eyes closed you never know what's happening next to you <laughs> they might just pop up <laughs> yeah michael yeah i was just gonna say for me it was more like i was in terms of the gurus it was uh uh our guru was really easy to get into uh it was just um Swami Sri Yukteswar that I thought was very cold because in the book, he sounds so cold. And I was like, you know, when I'm about to do something stupid or something, I, I was having watching me over my back and it's just like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this later, you know? <laughs> so he was, and to this day, I still struggle with that because uh, I think he's such, such a stronger father figure out of all the gurus that kind of powers over me. And uh yeah, even though what he says might be really good, it's sometimes it's really cold, I find, you know, but that's just the way I'm reading it. Perhaps, you know, I need to read the story again to see a better perspective, a more yeah. loving one, ideally. Yeah, he's got this. Also, his expression on is like quite stern, isn't it? On the, the image yeah. that we use. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a austere, stern, disciplinarian type. Um, exactly. Type of image. Whereas, like yeah. Lady, Lady Marsha's image is like this tender, sweet. <laughs> looking at it now, tender, 100%. sweet. Yeah, like a relative almost. As a, as a kid, when I looked at my parents' altars and I saw Sri Yukteswar's picture, I was always thinking, "Oh no, he's like." <laughs> but then, when you when you read those those chapters, especially the resurrection of Sri Yukteswar, how much he loves his oh, yes. student Yogananda, right? And how he is, um, he said, like, for example, when, when Guruji goes up to him and says, can you tell me that you love me? And then he, he says, like, do I really have to use those mortal words to say those things that you know are true already, right? Mm -hmm. And and so he has, he has a, a different take on 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 love he's more like connecting with with paramanta yogananda on a on a metaphysical level and yeah and at the and the years of training in the ashram also Guruji perceives it as a very loving training right so mm. yeah but he, he he's the one who said um ego cannot be uprooted um it can only be uprooted harshly right so, or <laughs> rudely i think i don't know which which word he uses yeah, let's let's move on to the vast amount of books that that Guruji wrote. Um, 
it is um, a lot of a lot of pages. It is a lot of a lot of different publications. And the first thing that struck me when I looked at um, uh, the bibliography of Yogananda is how um, late some of those books were actually released. Like um, Man's Eternal Quest was released in 1982 um, because I kind of grew up um, with, in, a, in a SRF household and those books were around. <clears throat> and I just always assumed those books were around forever. But I guess for my parents, they were on the path already 20 years before the, before those books came. They had to rely on those magazines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> keep this page of that magazine, this keep of that magazine, and then put them <laughs> together. Like, oh yes, we have the man's eternal quest. <laughs> yeah, they had they had a lot less to go, or the law of success came out in 1982 as well. So those are all books that I don't know what to do without them. They are like pillars in my life um, and I also wouldn't know how to do a Sunday reading without them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty fantastic I, I want to ask oh yeah Kriprienko first no, no you ask and I'll come in I want to ask the group um, if you guys have a favorite book and why hmm. my favorite book is um at the moment is the um god talks with arjuna mm. um i don't know i shouldn't say at the moment um the reason i say at the <laughs> moment is because i'm so like uh i'm so into krishna and uh, i've been reading different versions of the bhagavad gita since i was 17 so i've been on this 20-year journey with that book i've read like four probably four or five different translations and yogananda's one is obviously by far the most comprehensive and the best and uh, I've been really really digging deep into that so for me that's the best but the one the, the one the reason I say at the moment is because I haven't I haven't got into the second coming of Christ or or even finished all the lessons or you know let, let alone all these other little books like whispers from eternity and things like that yeah um yeah go on Michael I was just going to say on my end, uh, it's Whispers of Eternity, just because I use it every day when I prepare for meditation. So it's super handy when I don't know what to really say. And I just pick a, a prayer and uh, go with it. So it's utilitarian and the beautiful kind of poetry that I'm able to utter with my words. And uh, I think it's, it's my favorite book so far. Nice. And for me, I guess I, I still haven't read like Priyanka. I still haven't read the, the two big ones. It's my little library. <laughs> <laughs> and so I actually got a lot of books from my sister. She donated like almost all of this. It was her who gave me. And it, I read the autobiography first. But then when I read this uh a world in transition. It's a blue cover. It's not only Yogananda, it's mm -hmm. a, several authors. It was the book that I was reading when the pandemic strike, stroke. And, and it was really funny because it I was traveling and I took the book and it had been years since I read Yogananda. And I was like, I'll take this Yogananda book for a change. And I took it. 
And then when I was traveling, the pandemic started and it was the whole crisis, the whole chaos. And the book was just so timely. It was just like everything was connecting. And it was really the book that took me to, to the next step in applying for the full lessons and then finally mm. for the Kriya. So like in general, I say that that's my favorite book because it really got me into being a disciple. But I don't know, Dayama's books and Sri Gyanamata's book also, I think in terms of inspiring me and fueling me with devotion, it's really the ones that really get me like, oh my God, this is like so beautiful. And, and for Guruji uh, specifically, yeah, I could say the Gita is, re is really inspiring also because I don't know, I have, I, I'm reading the second volume now and like the first one is here and I marked like all of these little things, you know, these little <laughs> Yeah, me and too. So much, and this is really like stuff that I'm connecting with at the moment. I never mark a page, just whatever. You know, it has to be something that has to do with my life, and it's just really my life. And I think it's everyone's life <laughs> <laughs> happening on the on the book. It's like the worst going on. You're just like, oh man, I'm really in that war, and it's, I don't know. And it and every question that comes in my mind after a few weeks or even a month, maybe it's going to be there. The answer is going to be there. So it, it, it's really a tool for, you know, moving on in your life with and help you answer your, all your questions and doubts about life. Definitely. I find it interesting that he, he calls it the God, God talks with Arjuna um, because traditionally it's just called Bhagavad Gita and no one even bothers translating it Bhagavad Gita means song of the spirit um, which like in the book is defined as the divine communion of truth realization between man and his creator the teachings of spirit through the soul that should be sung unceasingly um, so but he calls it God talks with Arjuna <laughs> which is which is an amazing title uh, if you think if you really think about it because um, we you know in the book um, we're, we're the Arjuna, aren't we, in our lives? Um, and Krishna is, God is Krishna. So who, how are we listening to God talking to us through all of the various walks of our lives? Um, and, and, and similarly, like the second coming of Christ is, is called the second, it's not called like the commentary on the gospels, which is like the boring official title that you'd be, that you'd generally call it, but it's called the second coming of Christ, the resurrection of Christ within you, which is like a profound, profound title for a book. And obviously it's an epic, epic uh, co literary corpus, just that book in itself. Um, and that one is 1541 pages and like God talks with Arjuna is 1173 pages and the lessons apparently are 1400 pages, the 162 old lessons. So all of that I calculated. He, he spent four years in the, in the desert, right? Compiling a lot of these books, um, the Mohe Desert, and that he would have had to write three, three or four pages a day, nonstop to get to all of those. All Amazing. Of those books. And that's, that's after editing, right? Like usually you write yeah. a lot of pages yeah. and so then that, and then yeah. so that's the that's the minimum. So probably even yeah. even more than yeah. that. And you know yeah. that doesn't sound. You 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 probably think oh yeah I could write four pages a day. That doesn't sound like much. But these aren't just like if you read Guruji's works. This isn't just mm -hmm. like any old um, 
piece of writing. I mean, like uh, Tara Mata, who was like the uh, you know one of the principal editors of the um, of 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 of, his comment, of the books, said um, your Guruji would like you'd come to a passage which is so obscure that it defies all possibility of plain interpretation. He will then look blankly at me or one of his other secretaries for a while, close his eyes, and presently out will come the whole plain meaning. He gets it entirely from inspiration. In fact, it is only through him that I know what inspired books really means. So like this is, <laughs> this is not just like, oh, let's philosophize on what theoretically this could mean. This is like, and if you read it, you will, you will obviously know what I'm talking about to be, to, to be like true. Yeah, M Michael. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, the word you said there that was, that really resonates with me is epic. Like, I, I've been, I, I, I've read many books, but there's so much weight in the words of Guruji. And it's like, it resonates at such a profound level. I, I, I mean, Swami Sri Yukteswar had a way of saying it, which was just uh, saints have a way of saying into a couple sentences what pundits want to say in like volumes of books. And it's, so heavy and packed with information of wisdom it's always incredible and the seriousness of it too is is a great great writer yeah i really like the the title of all of his books like for example mike loves the law of success but like you know the the three epics which are like uh, man's eternal quest and the divine romance and uh, which is the other one the third one um, the sayings of parmatikananda no, not the same. Yes. Yeah, oh, the journey to self. The journey, the journey to self. The journey of journey yeah. to self-realization. Those are the three books, aren't they? That are the most uh, popular. But even the other books, like for example, um, like this is obviously just cosmic chance. But cosmic chance. <laughs> what a title! Mm -hmm. It's such a cool title. And this was like pre. It sounds like oh, this is just a hippie thing. But this was pre, like. Yes pre all of that stuff right so this is the hippie culture and the fancy you know poetic style of describing things they obviously took inspiration from from guruji and like uh, whispers from eternity and like it's just it's just endless isn't it how beautiful the titles the titles of his books are yeah mike yeah i found it interesting i want to go back to what you said earlier to god talks with arjuna how how that title is interesting because it's I mean, a lot of it is a dialogue between Krishna and Arjuna, right? But it's it's really has a really strong emphasis on the guru-disciple relationship, mm. the whole Bhagavad Gita, right? Mm. And the Bible, for example, is not like that. The Bible, you you have you have Christ, and there is his guru. But for all we know, like if you grow up in Catholic church, you don't don't even learn it in that way that John the Baptist was his guru, right? And there's there's very little emphasis on that. And um, it's more like the, about the direct connection to God that, that they talk about. So I'm, I'm like, maybe those titles are also meant again. I feel like the second coming of Christ title is trying to explain to metaphysical seekers what Christ meant. And the same way the, the Bhagavad Gita is trying to show metaphysical seekers what the Bhagavad Gita really means. He's trying to put it all into context for people. Because when, I don't know, when there's so many misconceptions about the Gita still, there's even now people saying, oh, Hinduism is a polytheistic religion and stuff like that, right? 
<laughs> and um, I, I love how, how he just, the title already puts it into perspective. There's God, there's not, yeah, mm. you know, God talks to Yeah, and the ultimate divinity expresses itself through, entirely through, yeah. in, into Krishna, which is, a, yeah, yeah, quite a beautiful thing. And it would have <laughs> taken, because like, it, it's, it's such an epic piece of work that it would have taken 50 years to compile and put together into the book. So like the fact that, you know, Mike, you're like, you're saying, I can't believe some of these books took 30, 40 years to, to publish or 50 years in the case of the Gita and the second coming of Christ. And they were so long awaited. But if you, if you imagine like these things were like typewritten and page numbering, and it's, it would have just been absolute chaos like um and he may have like some of it obviously talked that he put in from talks that they that he did on various subjects in, in lectures and stuff so they would have had to pull material from so many places to compile each each verse and each you know meaning of each verse yeah would have been... i didn't mean it as a criticism i just <laughs> meant that i always assumed they were already there yeah, for yeah, yeah. forever i thought they all came out at the same time at guruji's during guruji's life they came out way later yeah 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 let's um uh talk about the the way so you hear i don't know if it's Mrinalini mata or daya mata who says that they 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 wake up in the morning and then Guruji has a typewriter ready, right? And and let's let's um get ready and write some text, right? So this is like this kind of routine that they must have had. I know that uh, Sri Mrinalini Mata was like worked closely with Guruji as an editor, and after his passing, she would uh, take over the um, the publishing and was heavily involved there. But I guess during his lifetime, it was more of um, this waterfall of knowledge that came out of him, right? And they they did their best to just write it all down. And I think I read somewhere that they had to they had to take shifts. So they did like six hours and then the next person would come in and start writing things down, the, the next person, and he would go all night, you know, that he would, hardly take any breaks because he had so much knowledge that needed to be written onto pages. Priyan? Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you join an ashram, uh, if you have a living guru and he's mm -hmm. like, you join the ashram and you think, oh, yes, I'm going to be like, you know, doing so many cool things if I'm joining when, when guru is around. And literally these <laughs> Dayamata, Taramata, Mata, they're just typing. <laughs> <laughs> they probably didn't even know what like how to typewrite but they became like they must imagine how many words per minute they could do by the end of their training yeah i don't know how many but they must have gotten really good at writing typing really fast <laughs> yeah and, and without mistakes as well because like if you make a mistake on a typewriter then you have to start that page <laughs> page again yeah oh my god i mean the technology was just also I mean, today it, it, you could probably do like uh, speech to text, right? And mm. just and and record it all. And I'm sure they did a lot of recordings as well. But it's just so different now. Like back in the day, I, I'm I'm sure there was also a lot of handwritten notes. And it's like you said, later compiling all of those different sources into one book must be a challenging task. Yeah, like in into, the, in the, into a coherent work. Yeah. yeah. In the film, they've got um, the, the um, three uh, Paramahansa Yogananda writing, like handwriting. 
but obviously um, we don't know how much of that he would have done. It sounds like he would have narrated a lot of it and uh, they would have typed it. Yeah, when, when you go to the Antonidas Hermitage, you see pictures of him writing there. So mm. I, 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 there must have been a lot of that as well. Yeah. And then it must have been people who were experts at reading his handwriting and everything. Yeah, they but, were, yeah. those handwriting pictures are probably like, because he, he used to respond a lot to people that wrote to him, isn't it? So letters, imagine, yeah, yeah imagine yeah. he would have written a lot of letters and lot of, lots of letters do come out in on social media, especially, don't they? Just like a random letter or random note or random like signed picture from Guruji, like with like little snippets of inspiration and things like that. And you you hear um, Rinalini Mata saying at the end that doing doing that, like writing the books with him, somehow accelerated the discipline and their training. What do you guys think did she mean by that? That that like because he had such, he was on such a mission and those two um, were like pulled in, or it might have been others as well that were pulled in and. Um, uh, were were um, involved in this. So do you think this kind of accelerated their spiritual progress or do you think this accelerated kind of their their own enlightenment? Priya? Yeah, I, uh, can you imagine if Guruji was in like sitting next to you and speaking like 20, 20, 30 words a minute and you would have to keep up? You can't, there's no, there's no time for you to like daydream or like walk out and get a glass of water or like, as I do when I'm working, just walk around for, you know, at least a few minutes in the hour and just, you know, take, take my royal time. But these, these devotees would not have been able to do that. They would have to be like absolutely focused. And it, it becomes like a sadhana. It becomes a practice in itself, doesn't it? Um, it's such an intense thing to, to be writing and not just writing, writing like perfectly with what Guruji is saying. Otherwise, you're not doing doing it justice. Like missing a word here or getting the order wrong would be catastrophic, wouldn't it? And Guruji is not the type of person that would allow. We know how you know exceptional his English is. He's not the type of person that would allow um, misrepresentation of what what he has said. Absolutely, um, Carolina. Uh, Carolina? Oh, you're muted, Carolina. But I think, Mike, you have to go, don't you? Um, I'll I take do, yeah. Over. I'll take over from here. Jai Guru, okay. Mike. Jai Guru. Uh, yeah, Jai Carol Guru. Carolina, tell us what were you going to say. Yeah, I was thinking also that, you know, Guruji, after Sri Yukteswar died, he kind of knew that his time was coming to an end also. So this was like rush, rush to get everything written down, not only written down, but also the acceleration of the training of the devotees who would lead the work forward. So it was really like, you guys need to understand what I say like perfectly <laughs> to put it on the books so that I, so like what she said in the previous minute to reach people with his pen mm. and, um, and also to train the, the, the devotees who would lead the, the work they needed to be like fully and she was like an intensification of our training i think it has to do a lot with that too it's just really the final moments with guruji to get everything done before his mahasamadhi yeah yeah michael you had your hand up briefly 
Yeah, I was just uh, kind of wanted to mention as you would be as the devotee recording these words, you, you must feel so not only privileged, but the pressure, right? Like, yeah, you're capturing what I would say are profound truths for humanity, literally. And I'm just, I would say that, you know, being in that state is uh, of just profound mission and, and just purpose would really accelerate I mean, the, your uh, growth spiritually, I would find, you know. Yeah. I remember um, when, when, when we have like a deadline at work or I remember at, at university and school when I had a deadline and I'd do something like with super intensity for maybe three or four hours. And then like the adrenaline and the high that you'd get from that, that intense activity, like that like dedicated, focused effort, was something quite uh, quite uh, mystical, I think, because um, if you some if you if you put that same energy into meditation or a sadhana that you're doing, like with with your guru guru uh, speaking and you typing, I'm sure you'd get uh, a similar, if not a much more higher ex- higher consciousness and experience for for when when that is occurring so Mrinalini Mata and Dayamata and Taramata that were that were there were obviously quite privileged um, and we know that to be the case from what they what they said what they say as as Carolina mentioned in there um then we and there's in the minute there's also a couple of uh, beautiful pictures of uh, Dayamata in a very uh, lovely um suit blazer and a frock uh with her looking very young she must be in her 20s or 30s and then there's that really uh, famous picture of uh, guruji and dayamata um dayamata is like writing something down looking looking down and and you, you guruji is looking straight at her and you can see she's like really like doesn't want to doesn't want to get anything wrong and she's just making sure that she's um getting it right and then this is like there's a library in the background and also interestingly there's a picture of uh, the first edition of the autobiography of a yogi at uh, guruji's left hand um so uh, we know that that book was he would have seen that book no doubt when he was still still here with us with there with humanity so um that pretty much summarizes the minute um unless uh, anyone else has oh michael please yeah I just wanted to speak on just the acceleration of uh, Dayamata's growth. Uh, we kind of touched on the subject a bit, but to me, like, uh, she was one of the, like, when I listened to her lectures and whatnot, the profundity of her emotions and devotion is so touching. It's incredible. And, and to know that, you know, before this, the way she talks about herself, she was just this quiet girl, scared to talk in public, and then you really sense that it was a profound evolution into her being and into who, who she is, which I think to me so is another proof as to the master's uh, work and uh, his ability of transforming the being. Definitely. Um, and of course, uh, if you want to hear more about the relationship between the two of those, Dayamata and Guruji, you can listen on minute 53 for that one and there's also we talk about um uh, the relationship with Mrina Linimata and Guruji um in the last in the last episode as well so um 
yeah, you can uh, you can hear that. Um, but that's pretty much it. Thank you very much, Michael, uh, uh, for joining us. It was quite a good uh, it was quite a good minute, I think. Uh, there's a lot. Thank you for uh, having me. Mm -hmm. Oh, Michael, uh, no, <laughs> it's a pleasure to pleasure to have you. Now, is, is, uh, Michael's been holding the phone up with his. This is how much dedication. I think he he would have been he would have been a good uh, assistant to Guruji. I think with this much. Uh... <laughs> when when's your flight or train back or whatever? Back to London uh, would be probably next week. Okay. So yeah. Shall see you then. Maybe. Uh, see yeah. It would be nice. It would be nice. Really nice. <laughs> and Carolina, thank you for joining us once again. Thank you once again also. <laughs> and everyone else, thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Jai Guru. Bye. Jai Guru. Bye.